Welcome back to Understanding the Human Condition. I'm your host, Dr. James Flowers, joined by my lovely co-host, Robin French. How are you? I'm doing fantastic. Awesome. So this week, we're going to wrap up a two-part series with Carol Baskin from Tiger King and Big Cat Rescue. I love it. And we're going to start with Carol explaining a traumatic event from her past. Oh, let's watch. You know, it's also been revealed that you were assaulted as a teenager um, and you experienced domestic violence in some of your former marriages. How do you recover from that abuse and how did that affect you? When I was assaulted, I was 14 mm-hmm. and I was raped by three men at knife point. And because I was raised in a fundamental Christian household and my parents believed that whenever a woman was raped or harmed, it was because she was somewhere that she wasn't supposed to be. Mm-hmm. She was doing something she wasn't supposed to do. I had snuck out of the house with a friend of mine that night to go down and visit with these people. And I didn't know, I was stupid. I didn't know what kind of people lived in the world, but um, I had done something wrong. And so I really internalized that and had so much, um, I had such a lack of Mm self-esteem that I attracted into my life one abusive situation after another. And it wasn't until 2002 I was trying to lose weight because I've always been fat and I had gone to a hypnotherapist for the first time. Uh-huh. And, you know, you guys probably know this whole thing, but for me, it was like brand new. Sure. You're walking down a beach and you see a little girl in the Visualization. beach and you talk to her. <laughs> sure. I'm like, I don't want to talk to the girl. <laughs> exactly. No, don't make me. That's right. You know, you hit it on, you hit the nail on the head. You just said, um, when I was young and you talked about some of the abuse when you were young and what happens when we're older is we bring that forward Mm -hmm. and we tend to marry and have relationships with the people Mm -hmm. that are similar to what we went through in childhood. Mm -hmm. And so with that said, how's your marriage today? Healthy? Well, that hypnotherapy session that I went through. Yep was a wake up call. And I thought, you know what? I am attracting the same person back into my Mm -hmm. life over and over and over Mm -hmm. again. So I vowed that day Mm -hmm. I was going to go out and the next person that I thought there was no way I would be attracted to that person at all in a million years, (laughs) that was the one I was going to pursue. And I met Howard. (laughs) (laughs) There you go. Yeah, that was smart. Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. He was the antithesis of anything that was ever attractive to me. He was, uh, well, I've always liked older men and he was older, but Mm -hmm. he was like very straight laced and wearing a three piece suit and he walked very stiffly because he had been in an auto accident years ago that left his spine kind of messed up. Sure. And I remember, I remember thinking I could loosen this guy up some, but I also thought, (laughs) you know, there is just nothing about him that makes me want to go over and talk to him. So I'm going to go talk to him. (laughs) Good for you. (laughs) Where'd you meet him at? Out and about a restaurant or where? It was a friend, we had a mutual friend named Mary Key, who is, she's not a therapist, but she kind of does like coaching for Mm -hmm. businesses. And she was really interested in ending the overpopulation of dogs and cats in shelters here in Florida. And so she had come to me and she said, I'm gonna have this speaker come in. He's been really successful in other places in bringing down the numbers of cats that are being killed. And would you like to come? And of course I wanted to be there. And Howie was like her best friend, her best male friend. And she roped him into it because she always wanted to get him to 
donate his time to these animal causes that she mm -hmm. was so into. And so we were both, we both actually showed up for the event an hour early because neither of us had bothered to read the email that came after we got the paper invitation. So we were the only two people there for an hour with nobody else to talk to. And that was the beginning of the relationship. And with that was in November 1st of 2002. And we got engaged November 1st of 2003. And we got married on November 1st of 2004. Wow. We, we still haven't had our first fight because he decided he wanted to create a constitution of how we, and it was his first marriage. He was over 50. Mm -hmm. He had never been married before. And he wanted to create a constitution of how we would treat each other when things are bad. Because when things are good, it's easy. But when sure. things are bad, that's when you need to pull out the constitution right. and remind each other what you agree to. <laughs> and it's it. work. It's you know, opposites, I, I do believe opposites attract, mm -hmm. right? Opposites attract. And I can imagine that he had absolutely no idea what he was getting into with Carol Baskin. <laughs> and and I bet you have given him uh, some amazing journeys in life yeah. and that he is just like, I am so happy that I did this and that I'm on this ride with you. So <laughs> yeah. that's pretty amazing. So let's talk about your views on exotic pet owners. How would you describe the characteristics of those folks? Um, yeah. I was on a panel recently where um, they were talking about how some law school is actually putting together a study on the psychology <laughs> of these mm -hmm. kinds of people because it's fascinating. Yeah. yeah. There seems to be a common thread that I've seen across all of these people who own these exotic animals in, in a couple of things. And I think one is that they have a, a really deep-seated desire to manipulate people and to control the people in their orbit. Mm -hmm. So it's very cult-like in most situations. And I think that they use the exotic cats as a way of showing if I can control this tiger, then I am all powerful in that tiger's world. And there's nothing more powerful than a tiger or a lion. And therefore I am to be feared and followed and revered and all of that. And so they tend to lure in either young women or young men, depending on their proclivities. Mm -hmm. And once they get them in and get them attached to those cubs and they have them hand raising those cubs and feeling that motherly nurturing connection to the cubs, then what they'll do is take those cats and hold them hostage by saying, if you don't do what I tell you to do, I'm gonna hurt this cat. I'm going to sell this cat to some horrible place. I'm gonna do something awful to this cat. You so like. interesting. And they managed to keep control over the people in their worlds by doing that. So they use the animal really as a token of do what I want, do what I want you to do, or I'm uh -huh. gonna hurt this animal. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm, and I am sure that that probably, the personality characteristics of someone like that in that population in the big cat world is probably similar in any other exotic animal world like monkeys and even pythons and things like that, wouldn't you think? I don't have any personal experience with people from those realms, but mm -hmm. um, I, I would think that that's true. And if you think about one of the characters from Tiger King, Doc mm -hmm. Antle, he has an elephant yeah. and then a bunch of tigers. And so, you know, it seems to not be just being able to show your dominance over a cat and being able to control an elephant, I think shows a, right. for him, you know, gives him the feeling that he's controlling something huge bigger right. than himself. 
Is one of the reasons, Carol, that that there are so many people out there that want you gone is because you raise, uh, or not raise, you take care of these animals with pride and with care in the right way, and they are out there around the United States abusing these animals in the form of, I'm going to open a roadside show, and I'm going to charge to see these animals, and people hold these animals. And what's the difference between the way that you um, at Big Cat Rescue operate and these angry people out there that really want you gone and closed down? Well, it's not because of how I take care of the animals. It's because I don't believe these animals belong in cages. And I'm having success in getting laws changed at the, although we have not been able to affect it at the federal level, other than we had a bit of a success in 2003. Mm -hmm. So I've been trying to end the private ownership of big cats at a federal level since 1998. And we went every two years until finally the Captive Wildlife Safety Act passed. Mm -hmm. And what that did was it made it illegal to sell a big cat across state lines as a pet. Mm -hmm. But what we saw in 2003 was I had to turn away 312 big cats in 2003. God. And oh. That was in addition to the ones that we rescued. Mm -hmm. And every other year, that number was doubling because of these people that were doing cub petting and mm -hmm. then discarding the cats. And then a couple of years later, they're 500 pounds. People can't deal with them. They're trying to get placement for them. All the sanctuaries were absolutely full and overflowing. You couldn't place a cat anywhere in 2003. But when that law passed, what I saw was for the first time ever, the number of those big cats in need dropped to mm -hmm. like 160. And as states have come on with bans and partial bans, it's dropped and dropped and dropped. And what that means is that the industry of using these cubs for cub petting has also diminished dramatically. So these people who could make $100,000 off a single cub are now seeing far fewer people are willing to pay to do this. They have fewer places they can get rid of the cubs when they can't use them any longer. Mm -hmm. And they see the writing on the wall that this bill we're working on now just closes that loophole by stopping the cub petting and phasing out the private ownership. So it means, and what's an, another thing that's really interesting is when we started um, doing this, there were close to 60 of these places that were doing cub petting. Mm -hmm. There's now five. Wow. Oh, wow. And so they see that I'm putting them out of business. They're not out of business. They could still run a zoo. They just can't run that kind of a abusive right. situation. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I, I'm not trying to stop them from having a zoo. I'm just trying to stop the abuse. Absolutely, and that's why they hate me. That's why they want me silenced. Why they never want me to show up at any of these hearings. That's where I usually get attacked. Is when I go to some kind of a public hearing because mm -hmm. they don't want me to come into the room and talk. Right, and right, and testify or talk. Did people like I know Jack Hanna? Unfortunately, today has Alzheimer's. But were people like Jack Hanna or the large city zoos advocates of yours and helping you get some of these laws passed? No, actually, um, the film called The Conservation Game just came out in April, mm -hmm. and it aired at the Santa Barbara International Film Festival. And what that film shows, it's not available yet because they're still trying to sell it to a, a Netflix or a Prime or something. Sure. But what it showed is that Jack Hanna was one of the main reasons why this whole cub petting industry took off, because he would take these cute little cubs on TV. Everybody thought that was so cool. They wanted to touch a cub. They could go out and pay 10 bucks and have their pictures made with cubs. Right. And what happened was Jack Hanna was getting his cubs from these backyard breeders 
and using them on the shows and putting people from these horrible, horrible places in Columbus Zoo polos and representing that these people came from the zoo. And then the whole time he's saying, this animal came from the Columbus Zoo, it's going back to the Columbus Zoo, or it's gonna to go to some fabulous sanctuary. When in fact, when he was cornered by the people making this film, he said right on camera, he didn't know where these cats were. And none of the guys that you saw on TV taking these animals anywhere had any idea where these animals were going, or if they knew, they weren't saying. Right. <laughs> and that said just about as much because we found where some of those cats went and it was horrible. Sure. And so when the public saw that at the Santa Barbara Film Festival, it actually won the Social Justice Award. And so you can imagine with everything that happened in 2020 and 2021 for an animal film to win the Social Justice Award, right. it was good. And the very next day is when his family came out and said, mm, Jack's got dementia. He can't talk to the public. That's uh, right. Ah, interesting. Very interesting. Got it. I yeah. have a wild card question. Sure. Now that we're on the subject of zoos, what, what is your opinion on zoos? I mean, every major city seems to have one. What's your thoughts? I think they're going to have to remake themselves because today's children do not want to see animals languishing in cages. And I don't know how kids today got to be so smart. Maybe it's because of all of the, you know, the really good videos that show these animals living in the wild. Mm -hmm. But I have heard so many kids say that they don't want to see animals in circuses. They don't mm -hmm. want to see them in zoos. They don't want to go to the zoos. The zoos are suffering you know, dramatically from a loss of patronage well before COVID hit. And so what we've tried to do is figure out, you know, most people understand that you shouldn't be wearing cats as, you know, their coats, you shouldn't be going to the circus, but zoos are like the last hurdle I see. And mm -hmm. so we felt like for zoos to remake themselves, they have to see a model that works for them. And that's why we have Currently, we have about a dozen live webcams around the sanctuary, and we're installing 30 more, so we'll have 46 live webcams. And I recently launched a cat coin on Rally. And what I'm trying to get people to consider is the idea of using a crypto coin mm -hmm. that funds these 360-degree internet streaming live cameras in the wild where these cats actually live. And when you sell that token or that coin, the money then is through a smart contract actually going back into those local economies where those people are living around lions or tigers or snow leopards mm -hmm. or whatever, turning everybody in the region into a game warden mm -hmm. because they only get the money, they only get the higher um, standard of living if they're protecting those ecosystems. And that protects them for everyone. And that gives us all equal access. And you may not be able, you know, some people may not be able to afford a $500 headset or afford the subscriptions to all of these different feeds, but they could go to the zoo, they could use the zoo's equipment and the zoo could do this in a much more immersive way. Imagine going into the polar bear exhibit and you put your headset on and they're blowing freezing cold air at you at the same right. time and smelling fish and you, know, you are <laughs> yeah. like in the world with the polar yep. bear. That is the kind of things that kids can really get behind and the kind of future that I think we need in order to save the planet. Hmm. Yeah, amazing. Was that your idea to launch this coin? Um, I've been trying to get people interested in cryptocurrencies and augmented reality and virtual reality since 2012. <laughs> <laughs> so, so it's been yes. like 
everything is a long, hard slog for me because I'm just apparently not very good at it. I just take forever, but it's finally all coming to fruition. That's amazing. Awesome. Carol, is there anything that, that you want to say to anybody out there in the world right now that you want people to know about you that they may not know or may have a misconception about? You know, one of the things I was hearing before actually Tiger King came out, people would say she knows more than what she's saying. Mm -hmm. And I thought, that's just not true. I have written down in my diary for my entire life, I've written every stupid thought that ever went through my brain. And so I started recording them and releasing them before Tiger King came out. But now if you go to um, youtube.com forward slash Carol Baskin, I think we're up to like 2007 of the uh, years that I've released up until then. And you can hear every thought I ever had, everything that I ever did, every dumb thing I ever did. Sure. I didn't hold back anything. I put it all out there. And people can make their own decisions if they really care to look. Absolutely. Listen. Yeah. Is there a book in your future? I've had a number of people ask me to write a book. And of course, you know, my whole life, people are like, your life is so wild. You should write a book. <laughs> right? But my story's not done yet. And yeah. so I can yeah. fix this problem of big cats in cages. It's, yeah. I'm not to the end of the book yet. And so I really want to get that done before I spend time talking about it. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so I guess, did we did we ask her the question? What no, is her I, thoughts on no. understanding the human condition? And what does that mean to you? I think, I think when people don't understand themselves, they're not looking far enough back. Yeah. Because I think my personal belief is that we're eternal and that we just keep coming back to this amazing magical dance that's called life. And we do it purposely half blindfolded because what fun would it be if we remembered the last go round? Yeah. And so I think while we're on the other side, we get together with everybody and we're like, you know what? We checked this off and this off, but we didn't get this, this, and this. So let's all jump back in there to get there again and we're going to do it again. We're going to get it right this time. And so I think if people have that kind of eternal realization of who they are, yeah. that nothing that happens in any of our lives is going to be considered something horrible or bad. It all has to happen because yep. we, we signed up for it. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. We sure did. Yeah. Thank you so much, Carol Baskin, for Thank being you. our guest on Understanding the Human Condition. What's the best way for the audience to reach you in a positive way if they would like to reach you? Um, Big Cat Rescue is on all of the social channels, and that's where you'll find the really amazing cat videos and cat yeah. photos and okay. cat people. We have hundreds of people who monitor our channels and will be happy to engage with you and talk to you about the issues. Awesome. You can find me on all of those social channels as well as Carol, as Carol Baskin or Carol Baskin Cat. But um, I'm just not really active on social channels yeah. myself as far as being able to answer a whole lot of questions there. So you're a whole lot better off if you go to the Big Cat Rescue channels. Right. Or when you reopen and you're able to reopen, come down and visit and make a donation. Yeah. yeah. How do people make a donation? They can go to bigcatrescue.org slash donate. Excellent. Thank you for asking. Awesome. You bet. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And Dr. Flowers, if they want to reach you or the J. Flowers Health Institute, where do they uh, go? I think the easiest way is kind of what Carol just said. Go to jflowershealth.com. It's awesome. the easiest way to do it. Yeah. Thank you again for spending your time with us. We really appreciate it. We were so excited. I don't think we slept for a week waiting for her <laughs> to know. do this interview. So thank you very much. Yeah. Thank you for all you do for animals and especially big cats. And, and uh, we really yeah. appreciate your time today.
For more information about J Flowers Health Institute and its concierge services, go to jflowershealth.com or our phone number is 713-783-6655. And be sure to mention this podcast, please. And I'd like to remind everyone watching or listening to us that there's numerous platforms that you can find us. YouTube, Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Spotify, Stitcher, and iHeartRadio. Share this episode and um, subscribe, please. Thank you, everyone. Carol, take great care of yourself. Thank you, Carol. Bye. Take care. Bye. Please join us every week for a new episode of Understanding the Human Condition with Dr. James Flowers. Dr. Flowers and his most admired mentors, respected colleagues, and VIP guests will share valuable insight into underlying health causes, conditions, and issues. These in-depth yet approachable episodes are a great resource for both private individuals and industry professionals. Our esteemed host, Dr. James Flowers, is one of the most recognized and respected names in the field of chronic pain, mental health, and substance use disorders, both nationally and internationally. Dr. Flowers is the founder of J. Flowers Health Institute, located in Houston, Texas. For more information about J. Flowers Health Institute and its concierge services, go to jflowershealth.com or dial 713-783-6655. And be sure to mention this podcast.